welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm Kirk Kinsey, your host, and with me, I have LAFC Josh. Josh, how are you, man? Doing great tonight. Um, like I said, I just can't wait to talk about some football. It's been a little bit of a rough week after after last Friday, but you know, you could say um, that. Think, mm-hmm, things are looking up, though. I do agree. I think we can uh, bring everybody back to center here and talk about what happened with the Galaxy, what we can do different, and uh, hopefully what it means for us going forward. But I do think we owe some introductions to the LAFC family. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about how you found yourself supporting LAFC. Um, So, my name is Josh Cacho. I'm a physical therapist by trade. um, And that's kind of how I ended up in this world to a certain degree. A buddy of mine that I used to work with was a big uh, soccer fan back in the, you know, a few years ago, got me into watching more and more soccer after I had stopped a little bit. Um, at that point, we had we had both signed up for the you know mailing list and season ticket stuff for LAFC. And I think this was back in 2014. Um, and from there, you just, you know, you just kind of felt it grow and kind of felt that connection as they started to put things out, as they started to, you know, look to connect with, you know, the people that had had really shown interest in the club and that sort of thing. And from there, it was just, you know, it was just kind of like a, a snowball effect, you know, at, later on, you know, Kate went, was able to go to the first game at the bank just to experience being in the 3252 um, was just something that I had never felt before in a sport at a sporting event from then i ended up um deciding to write for angels on parade um i do some injury analysis over there and then as well as um a scouting report and a scouting report podcast for dolly black and gold so that's kind of my int- you know my my foray into lafc but you know i really just felt that connection from the very beginning from the birth of the club where we started to get you know just to hear the information what they were going to do um, and that sort of thing. How about yourself? Uh, it's kind of a similar story. Uh, I, I found myself following soccer, professional soccer, more closely because of the U.S. men's national team, probably starting around 2007, 2008, uh, kind of in the in the aftermath of uh, that would have been the 2006 World Cup. And I started following European soccer more closely and always kind of envied this club mentality that fans had abroad and the idea that they would go to these games and it would be this sort of communion. And that's something that I, I never experienced with MLS. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles and never felt any kind of connection to galaxy, probably just because I wasn't all that into uh, the, the, the sport professionally back then. And same thing, you know, 2014, 2015 started seeing rumblings of the team online and thought to myself, hey, this might be my chance here to to find a club that is for me. And got on board early on, kind of like you said, and declared my allegiance early. And the big selling point similar to you was I took my boys to, I think it was the Philadelphia game last year. And after that one game, I was sold. We were all hooked. We all came home with all kinds of merchandise and uh, haven't missed a game since. We went to three or four more games last season. Uh, we live in Flagstaff, Arizona, so it's a bit of a drive, but we will probably get to about five or six more this year as well. So that's well, I, how we're here. But I think that I think that kind of shows, you know, what 
kind of culture and what the club has created in terms of bring want bringing people who, you know in who want to be there you know and it's interesting because you know like my dad growing up you know I was just a big basketball and football fan and you know that was what my dad did and that's what we followed but even him I took him to a game last year and he was just from then on it was like every time he comes to visit they live up in Northern California it's like hey can we go to is there a game on this weekend can we go um, you know and there's nothing like that opportunity to share that experience with my family and that sort of thing so no it's it's really interesting and also i think we've all probably spent a little bit more money than we've been wanting to you know than we're all willing to admit um on lafc yeah. going forward so yeah my uh my older quick anecdote i guess my my oldest son after we went to our first match this year looked at me and he said dad the next thing i or all i want for my birthday is to come back for another game and i want a jersey with number nine. He loves he loves Diego Rossi, so he wants a personalized jersey with number nine. So we're actually headed out this weekend for the Atlanta match to uh, make good on his birthday wish. Well, that's but, awesome. So for all all you LAFC fans that are out there, if you see Kirk at the game, give him a you know say hello, say what's up, you know, and um, wh- while you're doing that, subscribe to the uh, to the pod. Absolutely, absolutely. Would love to meet anybody out there. Um, it's a it's lonely being an LAFC fan in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, so I'm always looking to meet new people. I think that's what interested me in connecting with you, Josh, is we go back and forth on Twitter so frequently. And I just decided, all right, I'm going to slide into this guy's DMs and see what we can figure out here. So yeah. here we are, podcasting. Let's do it. Okay, all so right. I think well, we'll, now that... Yeah, one of the things we're going to talk about, obviously, is the elephant in the room, right? That being... Um, El Trafico, the LA Classico, the LA Derby, whatever you want, you know, whatever is the name that you that you've that you've chosen or what you've accepted, um, you know. But obviously, it wasn't quite the outcome was definitely not what we any of us expected um, heading no, into this no. game. You mentioned the elephant in the room, and I think it's a six-five Swedish elephant. Yeah, <laughs> that is just occupying all of our minds right now. Most definitely. So, and I mean, it does, it does hurt like this loss hurts. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why that's probably a little irrational when you look at our standing in the table and the season that we had, that we're having Vela's performance so far over the season. But, uh, the fact remains that we are Oh, two and two against the galaxy. And it seems like Zlatan just loves to put on these shows when the lights are brightest. Um, yeah, I mean, because I think and that's I think the one thing to remember when we're right, down with the lights are brightest. Yeah, and I think the one thing to remember, right? It's the two. I think the reason why you know, I think the question was asked, like, why does it hurt so much, right? And I think the one thing to consider is that th- the two losses that we have were just in such spectacular fashion. Unfortunately, you know, both at both at um, away at at Dignity Health or whatever it was last year. or changing right. from Home Depot. Just whatever. say Carson. Yeah. And just say Carson. Jones. Away at Carson, right? You know, it, it was just the spectacular fashion in which it was and what it was built up to be. Because if you look at the other two games, you know, even though they ended up in draws, we largely dominated those two. And it's easy to forget that those things happened because it was just the way in which it went down, right? How it was right. built up. And again, that being the first one, it's been the, it was the first one last year and the first one this year. And in both of those games, you know, Zlatan showed up. It's, you know, again. Uh, I mean, he showed up He showed up at midnight mm-hmm. 
for the for the match last last year and just comes in i don't i don't remember what it was 65th 70th minute and just starts crushing people and i think you see both of his first goals in these matches are absolutely world class obviously the one from basically midfield last year when he catches tyler miller out of goal and this one where i believe it's julian araujo who just launches up this prayer of a pass in the direction of Zlatan and he brings it down just masterfully flicks it over Atuesta Segura can't recover in time and then outside of the boot volley to beat Miller I I don't know what you're supposed to do about that other than try and score a couple more goals to get ahead of it most definitely and then again if you look at the way leading and again in both matches leading up to that point and then again in the other other the other matches at that we played against them LAFC plays fine for the majority of the game and then in specific moments makes that key mistake that leads to either a draw or to, you know, in the, the other couple cases to losses. And again, it's unfortunate. The question has to be asked, though, is this a factor of tactics that we're getting wrong? Is it a matter of personnel? You know, because I think that's something that, you know, that people have kind of gone back and forth. It, was it just because, you know, we have a we happen to have a center back that's five foot 10 and Zlatan six foot five, right? Cause at that point there's right. not a whole lot you can do, you know, but were, did you see anything in terms of tactics that we, that we potentially could have done differently or that we potentially got wrong in terms of how we've been defending, um, you know, some of these, top, you know, world-class nines, I guess Zlatan technically the only one that's world-class, but in terms of like maybe the top um, number nines in the league, Right, we've struggled to a certain degree. Whether that's Brian Fernandez or Zlatan, they've been doing a few things that we haven't been able to counter. You know, have you seen something in terms of how we've been setting up that may have left us vulnerable? That you know, that may have left us vulnerable to their attack. Yeah, a couple things there. I think so. When we came into this match, there was a lot of talk of you know we just need to play our football, our football, and to a large extent that's true because again. LAFC are running away with the lead, with the supporter shield right now. There's, and quite frankly, look unstoppable except for a few bad moments. Um, so I think it was Stephen Betashore that was in an interview and said, if we play our football, we'll be fine. Um, and it turns out if Zlatan decides that he's going to show up, then he can outdo that. And I think what the Galaxy did is they just said, what's the strength? And the strength of LAFC, as far as I'm concerned, is the counterpressing midfield where as soon as we give up a ball, you see four black or the, you know, the new awake, either black or white jerseys on top of whoever picks up the ball for, for the other team. Um, and we'll win the ball back and score on a counterattack. Um, and I think what the galaxy did is just said, we're going to play over the top of that midfield. And so again, the first goal that you see from Zlatan, it's again, I think it's Julian Araujo that just launches up this prayer and the third goal, to, too, is just it's off a goal kick where uh, the, the keeper plays it all the way across the field to Zlatan. And like, as you mentioned, uh, he's posted he just posted up right on top of Eddie Segura and there's he's not going to win headers over him. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, in terms of tactics, I don't know if you have Zimmerman man mark Zlatan in the future um, or if you if you double team him. It did seem like Atuesta sometimes would get in there uh, and help try and defend Zlatan I I don't know I'd have to go back and watch for a second time to be honest but 
Yeah, I'm not exactly. I mean, I think the way that. the way that yeah, it's, I mean, I, I recorded the game and I I almost refused to go back and rewatch it. And now you've deleted. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's usually one of those things where I force myself to go and do it because you know we'll have an up, upcoming scouting report where you're going to figure out what what's happening, right? That sort of thing. But obviously, this is one where it just hurts too much to go ahead and go ahead and do that. But I think the one thing, if we look back at last year, right? I think it was in the second game at the bank where we had really outplayed. Actually, in both games, in the you know obviously in the first game in the first sixty minutes, and then and the other two games where LAFC largely outplayed you know Carson for the majority of the game, and a big part of that was Mark Anthony K's ability to drop back into into the defense and help and assist the center backs right. And that was at the time I think the second game we had Yakovich and Zimmerman back there because I think by then that was when Simon had already taken off for France, um, and so. Again, we I think we'd all agree that Eddie Segura is probably a better center back than Yakovic um, at this point, you know. And, and given what that, given what he's done this season, and I think the one thing to look at certainly, I mean, I think I think there's a case to be made he's right up there with with Zimmerman for defender of the yeah, year, most definitely. And I think I think what, what we saw at times was Bob kind of come out of that four three three that he loves, right? It's the it's the Barcelona four three three. It's a Liverpool slash Manchester mm-hmm. United uh, Manchester City four three three kind of hybrid where it's it's a it's passive move, it's beautiful football, you know, it's boost gets to Iniesta to Chavi kind of just running the midfield is what he what he envisions and what he's pushed the players to become. Um but I think the one thing that he did a little bit last year was go back to you know, and again, I think you you were talking about when you started watching football was what two thousand six ish when Bob was still the men's national team coach, and right, prag, right. Prag, back then, if people don't remember, Bob played some of the ugliest, most pragmatic football you'll ever see. It was four four. Right, people were always mad about. Yeah, it. it was not. You know, it was it was exactly what the actually the way that he used to play was exactly how you know, the Galaxy set up to play against us, which was four four two, you know, or or some version of a, you know, four two three one, and the ball gets forward to a big number nine who holds up the ball and then lays it off to, you know, runners from the back, whether that be Dempsey or um or Landon Donovan, right, coming off the left hand side. And so that was you know, sometimes I I wish that's probably you know, that's what he brought back every now and then. And I think you saw it last year because he didn't necessarily have the personnel that we do this year, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the midfield and the passing and all those different things. I think when you see how much everyone has progressed, I think there's probably, he may trust them maybe a little bit too much in some of these moments um, to play a specific style in a specific way, you know, and play out of, you know, play out of trouble, which didn't work well. You saw, we turned over the ball several times in the midfield, you know, Jonathan Dosan, you know, and that's an area where we usually dominate where, but, you know, whether it was Fabio Alvarez tracking back and, you know, disrupting at Tuesta, you know, or Jonathan Dos Santos putting pressure on Mark Anthony K, we weren't really able to get in rhythm to the midfield the way that we normally would, you know, and I think a big part of that, you know, is, is just how, what the setup was. And again, is, is there a way to be more pragmatic and have K sit back a little bit deeper, maybe in between the center backs, which now forces Latan to make, a, you know, make the run more narrow or whatever it may be, or it'll run into a, you know, a more narrow space comparatively to the kind of the more wide open, you know, setup when we're in that four, three, three, which in attack essentially becomes a two, five or no, wait, yeah, two, five, three, 
in attack when the fullbacks are all pushed up or two, three, five. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is, you <laughs> know, sometimes that, those fullbacks are way up the pitch. Yeah. Which is the more Liverpool slash, um, Right. You know, slash Manchester City approach, because again, when when you are facing teams that are packing it in defensively, you almost have to right? They're not going to let you play mm-hmm. through the middle the way we would like to. So then that that forces, you know, the the Jordan Harvey's and the Stephen Betashores. And, and obviously, in this last case, the Stephen, Bla- uh, the Tristan Blackman's of the world to push up high and deliver service to the forwards who are pushed in into the into the penalty box. Right. So. Right. Obviously, it leads to a little bit of an issue tactically, but again, I don't think it was anything that we haven't seen in all three games that we've now, or no, four? This was our fourth loss? This is our third third. loss, right? So in all three games that we've lost this season, it was against teams that were going to play compact play and then play long balls over the top, right? So... And then, or and I'm thinking the U.S. Open Cup loss, right? So in that U.S. Open, oh, right, right. right in that yes. Open Cup loss, you saw a little bit of those similar things, right? It was a defense that was going to stay compact, uh, right? And even, you know, and in Carson, in this sense, what had uh, Diego Polenta playing playing left back against a Carlos Vela, which should have been an easy mismatch, right? But then he's a guy that he's not going to get, his job isn't to get forward. It's to stay back and to make life miserable for Carlos Vela. They also played a right back at forward. Right in in Araujo, who was playing up up top again with the specific intent of slowing down the midfield and slowing down the attack. So you know, mm-hmm. in in all in all fairness, against their their formation against us was probably more of a four five one, right? In how in how they essentially played, um, which bogged down the way that we wanted to play. And again, so is that where? the tactics go wrong, you know, in, in terms of, you know, is there something we could have done, you know, could they have played a little bit more pragmatically, you know, and sometimes I start thinking about, you know, again, I'm a uh, big Liverpool supporter, um, which was kind of a miserable existence until this past year, you know, at least from between 2003 and, um, and now, right. It's not, not the greatest time to be a Liverpool fan, but, Obviously, if you look a few years ago, they played the same way that Bob did. High, super high press. Everything's flying over the place. They scored a ton of goals and then got to a Champions League game, Champions League game against mm-hmm. Madrid and got played off the field. Right at some point, you have to learn how to kill off a game one nil. Right, this game. Right. This game right. had all the all the writing on the wall of being like that Champions League final between Liverpool and Tottenham, where you get an early one nil penalty, one an early penalty. You know, I think in the case of Liverpool, it was in, in the first minute of the game, right? Yeah, I think it was like 35 seconds. This is a good point. Right. Yeah, 35 seconds in. 35 or like seconds that. in, right? And then at that point, can you kill the game off, right? Obviously, Walker Zimmerman is not Virgil van Dijk, right? He's not a guy who's going to be up for the Ballon d'Or at any time in the near future. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to MLS, he is one of the better defenders in the league, right? He is an all-star. We, we expect a lot out of him, and the same goes for Eddie Segura. And so given the talent that we have both offensively and defensively, I wonder if, if there, if Bob has it in him to become us national team, Bob, right. And, and just pull back the reins and say, okay, in a big game like this, if we get that early goal, we're going to kill it off. Right. I mean, I, I could definitely see him doing it, becoming more pragmatic, maybe if it were an elimination game, but given the fact that this is, you know, what I would assume if you talk to Bob and you caught him in an honest moment, he'd probably, he's probably going to tell you this is another league match. 
And he's also going to tell you that it's the LA Classico, not El Trafico. Yeah, but this is true. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think that's what he, that's the way he looks at this. And he probably also looks at it as you know, this is game what six and I don't know, 15, 16 days or something like that. Um, so I don't know that he's going to you know see that second minute penalty and say, all right, let's pack it in, boys. Let's just make sure they don't score. Uh, especially because you see, I mean, granted, uh, he's not here any longer, but last year when we were sitting on a lead, you have Andre Horta just <laughs> kick back this amazing assist to yeah. who was it? Ola Kamara yeah. that scored it. It's a great for, uh, pass for the galaxy. Just to the wrong team. Oh, it was fantastic. It was a, an amazing pass, an amazing pass. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know that he has it in him to do it in a regular season match like this. To be well, honest with you, Josh. And that, I think, well, and I think I think again, elimination game might change that. Yeah, and I think this is something to be. You know, that I think we 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 we've, we've talked about. You know, in a couple times now, is there's a bit of hysteria going on right within within LAFC fan mm-hmm. support at this point, given the game, right? Obviously, we wanted to win, and everything that all the buildup, all the trash talk, everything that led up to this game, right, was always going to make this one way more emotional than it probably should have been, given where we're at in the league, right? On a record-setting right. pace, at you know, in the in still technically in the first half of the season, right? Um, with the highest, you know, with the the best goal differential ever. Um, you know, you look at all the statistics, we're, we're fine. Right. But for whatever, you know, but at the same time, because of the emotion that got tied, you know, that gets, that got pulled into a, you know, a rivalry of this magnitude, which is really neat. Right. I love the fact that it's become a national, you know, a, a, a nationally noted rivalry, you know, within a few years. Right. That's awesome. But at the same time, in the bigger picture, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. And it's weird to try and have to explain that to people where it's like, you take a deep breath. Right. Um, you know, right. again, you know, like, and I almost, and I had to remind myself that it's like after, you know, right. When, when he thought scored that third goal, you know, I, you know, took a step outside. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go walk my dog real quick. Um, and just take a deep breath and just remember where we're at. Right. And again, and if, if we had a different coach, if I didn't think that Bob had the experience, hasn't had, hasn't gone through similar situations like this before. Okay. Maybe you start to panic a little bit because you, you know, if you have a guy that's never been there before and does he know how to, ha- how to handle a team in crisis, I would have to say right, that we probably right. have that guy. You know, if there's ever a guy who is, who, who's gone through a multitude of, of, ex- of experiences, both on the winning and losing end of things, it is Bob Bradley. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Does he, is he stubborn? Does he get his tactics wrong? Yeah, sure. Right. But it's also, you know, we're not even halfway through the season yet. And so if there's ever a time to do it, it's probably then. Cause I think the worst thing to do was to make that same mistake, to not be tactically flexible, you know, in October, right. When, 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 right. when games actually matter, you know, and again, it's, I think it's hard to separate the mentality because, you know, obviously as soccer fans, if you watch European football, right? We, every game technically matters, right? Um, college football, every game, you know, college American football, every game really matters, right? But traditional American sports, right? The regular season is largely not that important. Um, you know, you have LeBron and all these guys resting for 20 games a year, right? You know, load management, all these different things that you, that have become a, a fad thing right now, which is good from the healthcare perspective, but, you know, th- those are the things to consider, right? Like 
what actually matters in the long run, right? I think this was something that we had talked about previously, where it's if if you in the next five years you have five stars, but you net but you go Owen, right? Owen ten against Carson. Are you okay with it? All right. If if you're asking me, the answer is yes. I don't want to. I don't want have to think about the prospect of going. You know. 10 match 10 more matches losing to the galaxy but absolutely if that if the trade-off is 10 losses over the next five years for five mls cup wins then absolutely yeah because at that point can you they can't there's no more five-star argument either right so you shut them up in more than way more more ways than one right and i mean ultimately you have the last laugh at the season right yeah and i think that you can you can take these regular season games all you want but when it comes down to it we're going to perform yeah, and I can. I think. I think that's the bigger picture take that I think. I think all supporters at this point have to kind of have to realize, right? And it's where the team is already is likely already at, right? I think after that game come Sunday, you know, after Carlos Vela was done smiling and taking pictures with people um, on Saturday or or Sunday, whatever day that was, you know, they got right back to work, turn the turn the page, get right back to working on getting ready for Atlanta because again, we have another big game coming up. And then we have the weird all-star break thing, you know? And so again, there's, there's, there's a lot, obviously there's a lot to take from, you know, there's a lot to learn from both good and bad from the, the mat, you know, from the rivalry game. But at the same time, I'm honestly, you know, a few, once the, once the emotions have kind of come out of it, once everything has passed, yeah, I'm actually okay. You know, like I'm good with it, right? Like it is, it is what it is. You move on, life moves on. And at the same time, still we're at the top of the league right on a record setting pace. Right. Yeah, let's uh, let's go over those real quick. Let's go over some of these, you know, standings and and results. And then let's circle back to uh you asked something about what have we learned. So I want to circle back to that in just a second. But so LAFC 321 games are at 46 points, which is still on pace to set the record for most points in a season, which was just set by Red Bull last year uh galaxy are 37 seattle at 35 so we're still nine games ahead of galaxy uh nine points excuse me not games uh and then the closest team to us in the supporter shield race is philadelphia they have 39 points so they're still seven points back but they've already played 23 games so we've got two games in hand on the next closest team uh and honestly it i mean it would take a pretty epic collapse for anybody to catch us in the West, which means uh CCL slot for us, whether or not we win the cup this year. Uh, and it likely means a supporter shield. So you still come away from the season with hardware. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think, I think what, you know, what is, I think it was Vince and Vince that mentioned it today, right. Is that Bob looks at the season in, in four parts, right? It's the beginning of the season. It's the summer. It's, the end of season and then the cup run, the playoff run, right? And the ones that really matter are the first, the third, and the fourth. The second one, you're just trying to survive, right? And if we're at this point having, if this is what we call, if this is what we're going to call survival, right? I'm I'm okay with it, right? Because again, yeah, I, I think we'll the, be okay. 
<laughs> yeah, forty six points. You know, again, there's there's definitely it doesn't mean there's not things to work on. There's not things there's need to fix, right? There's this this looming DP slot that we could potentially you know that they can use to bring in reinforcements. You know, and from what I understand, there will be seems like there were going to be reinforcements coming in at left back. You know, more out of necessity than anything. Um, but again, yeah, I, I think now you kind of have to kick the tires on that position. Yeah, don't think it's going to be. I'm, I'm I I doubt it's going to be a. You know, a DP level signing, but again, I know they do have Tam and Gam money to spend, so that's something right. to watch out for. There, I think they mentioned that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think spending DP money on a left back is questionable at best. If you only get three of them, you can't. I mean, unless they're going to bring in Marcelo, which for everybody out there that think that's going to happen, it's not happening. Marcelo is not coming to LAFC, uh, but it would have to be that level of player to spend DP money on a left back in this league. Yeah, you know, and like, and and unless you were, I think it was, I think it's Vancouver that Ali Adnan, I think, is a DP left back, which, you know, right, right, or Colorado, you still have, uh, <laughs> you still have a keeper on DP money, so yeah, so yeah. I mean, again, uh, but there's a reason why those teams aren't aren't doing too hot this year, so um, yeah, but beyond that, like I said, I think you're right. Um, it's just one of those things where obviously the emotions are going to get dragged into it, and every on. Um, leading to what we've seen in the little bit of the hysteria over this past right. week. Right. So earlier you asked, what have we learned? And we've kind of been talking and dancing around the subject of, you know, what else is out? Who else do we need? If, or do we need reinforcements? Um, and I think it was Matt Doyle brought it up on extra time or in one of his articles this weekend about not having a second attacking threat that is, uh, prolific enough. So right now you have Carlos Vela, who is incredibly prolific in terms of MLS. He's he's the fastest guy to ever score 20 goals. He's only the fourth player to reach 20 goals and, and 10 assists in a season. And again, we've only played 21 games. Um, but who's behind him? You have Diego Rossi, who's on nine or 10 goals now, which is you know best for top 10 in the league. And then you have Adama Diomande who finally looks like he might be healthy enough to go 90, but is that enough? And I, the point that uh, Doyle brought up was, you know, last year you have Miguel Almiron and uh, Joseph Martinez. And in t- with Toronto, you had Josie Altador and you had uh, Sebastian Giovinco. So what do you think, Josh, do we have enough as that second attacker? I, and again, I think that's the question is, do you trust Rossi and, and Dio to be that guy? As of right now, I don't think so. Right. And it, it there's just a there's just a weird inconsistency that you get from a little of them, you know, from both of them. And again, is it a, is it a matter of fitness? Is it a matter, you know, is it a matter of, um, you know, just not being switched on? Because, again, Rossi disappeared for large parts of the game, you know, right. And when, especially, and which is weird, given he probably had the most favorable matchup on the field, right on the on the left side of the of the you know on the le- on that left side. Who does he have? Uh, Rolf Fletcher is that his name? Yeah, you know who's you know who's pretty good getting forward, but he's not the greatest defender in the world. You know, he's right. you know usually. I mean, again, I think most MLS defenders are usually good for one bad mistake per game. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, and but, one more thing on that you had mentioned earlier. You know, what do we do tactically? Can we play more direct? And Rossi's normally that outlet. You've seen it a couple times. Atuesta will hit him in the season. You know, throughout the season, you've seen Atuesta pick his head up, see Rossi streaking down the field, and a play a ball over the top to him. So he's the guy that you, that the rest of the team can pivot on if you do go direct. But 
for me, I just don't know if he has it. I, I don't, and it's probably just because he's young. I, I mean, the guy is incredibly talented, which, which shows up every now and again. And it seems like, you know, if he scores one, he's going to score three in that match. But he would have to be the guy that you're going to play direct to. And I don't think he's, I don't know if it's uh, savvy enough or technical enough yet. Yeah, I mean, to the interesting be is that I guy that can hold up play. It's weird because I think he just, it seems like he just may lose focus for large parts of the game because when, you know, so I, 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 I had the opportunity to go down to Houston and, and cover that game for Dolly Black and Gold. And so I'm sitting um, in the photography row on the left-hand side where Rossi came in in about the 60th minute. And he did exactly what they should have been doing for about the, right, the what? Basically, after Zlatan scored that first goal, what they should have been doing was hitting diagonal balls across the field into that space and letting letting Rosie come underneath it and go get it, right? Right. And he just wreaked havoc on them in the second half in in that in the game against the Dynamo, right? And AJ De La Garza, you know, a former Carson player, right, was basically on skate for the whole second half. Again, largely just because he's so fast in there. But again, you see him just shut off at times you know he it it's almost like that um you know for the basketball fans out there right that kobe bryant phenomenon where you just get caught watching someone doing things that are awesome right and for whatever reason lafc found themselves almost forcing balls to carlos vela at big parts of the match and i think to a certain degree you saw rosie and i think you bob was you know laying into him quite a bit um just yelling at him just kind of shut off you know you just see him kind of standing around on that side you know waiting for a ball to come that never comes but the question is is he putting himself in a position is he making the run every single time is he making the run when Vela gets the ball hard off there and that those are the things that I don't think he does consistently yet right if Mm -hmm. should he do that he's probably getting sold for you know for you know 10 mil plus to somewhere you know some uh, you know somewhere in Spain Right. But at the same time, again, because he doesn't do it consistently that I think that's his biggest flaw as a player right now. Right. Is that is his lack of consistency, because, again, he has those moments where he can hit a filthy chip over a guy at full speed. Right. Coming off a long diagonal ball. But then you also Mm -hmm. have moments where he's just shut down or he, you know, because and again, because he he doesn't do it regularly every single game when that moment comes in. You know, and I think it was what in the fiftieth or sixtieth minute where he caught a ball wide open at net and just you know just shanked his first touch, right on a on a on a, on a ball from Atuesta, and you're just like, those are the ones that you really need. And at that point, you know, is he is he that guy? You know, and is Dio that guy? Dio's health has been a concern, and again, he's streaky in his own right. And and same thing, same goes for Rossi. I honestly feel like I said at that point, you may need that person who you know can just come in and be a killer um, and be the, you know, be that second guy on a regular basis w- with a third guy that's going to be more variable, like a Rossi or a Dio, right? So is that yeah. probably where they need to go? Where does he fit? Does he fit up top? Does he fit into the midfield? You know, honestly, you know, you kind of saw in the second half, you know, when Lee Wynn came in the game for Mark Anthony K everything kind of fell into place, right? The runs were made because you almost, Rossi's a guy that I think to a certain degree, when he knows the balls are going to get them, he'll make the run, right? 
Right. Um, and I think that's some, you know, some of these strikers that get a little bit greedy, they get a little bit frustrated. If the, if it's like, why am I going to make the run if the ball's not going to get there? And at times, because of the way that the ball was being turned over in the midfield, you know, whether it's from Latif or Mark Anthony K, who are, who did not have the greatest of games, right? Is that, is that a big factor as to why, you know, you did you just saw Rossi switch off at times because again, that, that service wasn't quite there until Lee yeah. subbed in in the second half, you know? So is, is that a change that Bob can maybe make is going, going with a more ball control midfield with a, you know, less, maybe less, less on the counter press, um, you know, Lee, Mac and Atuesta to control the midfield. And then, you know, and then when you need to really just put the, you know, put the, you know, put it on someone, then you bring blessing on in the 60th minute or so and just finish people off, you know? So I'm, I'm sure those are things that are going to be considered going forward. It's just, you know, how do you, how do you approach it? Is it a control game versus a, you know, we just take it out of them for the very beginning, you know, put the foot on the throat and just kind of go from their approach, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have a few things here. Uh, one is what we are definitely not saying is that Diego Rossi is no good. That is not the case. Uh, he's been phenomenal for us, but it is, it need, it does need to be said that there are still some, some flaws in his game. And I think you see it in the way teams defend him too. Uh, a lot of times I think the most effective thing you can do with Diego Rossi is just delay. If you can just keep him in front of you. I mean, the, the guy's so fast that if he gets behind you, you're toast. But if you can keep him in front of you, and make him have to choose what he's going to do. I think what he does most is try and cut back to his right foot and find a pass. And I think this is where you start to see things being a little stale with us is when you have Harvey and Rossi there on the left wing, and they'll just kind of like pass it back and forth, look across the field to see if there's somebody in the middle, and then keep passing it back and forth, where I think, again, as you said, when the changes came on, you see El Munir come in, and El Munir is definitely willing to come in, cut inside, run at it, run at the defenders, which, you know, unlocks runs and passes for everybody else as well. So uh, all this is to say, Diego Rossi is not a bad player, but there's still some things that he can work on. I, I do agree. Um, so, Josh, before we pivot away from this game, is there anything else that we haven't, that we haven't covered that has been burning a, a hole through your microphone that you really need to get to? I mean, I think the one, you know, obviously there's going to be that I think the the one that you started to hear a lot was like, this is, oh, Cisniego should have started, right? But it's really... Oh, this, yes. You know, and again, it's unfortunate because, you know, like I said, I I honestly think without Tyler Miller, we probably lo- lose that game 5-1, right? Because he's, he had some I, phenomenal... I don't disagree. Yeah, if there, was, if there was ever a game to try and make that case, this was not it. Right? No. Like that was last year when he got caught out of goal. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's, I've seen worse performances from him. You know, he's, he's, he, you know, he's, you know, like, but at the same time, this is not, this was not the game nor the match where you're going to try and make that case, you know, and especially given, you know, the, the content, you know, what it takes to be, you know, a solid defense. And a lot of it has to do with continuity, right. Which I'm, which he definitely has with Walker Zimmerman and with, with Segura, because again, the, how they've started, you know, and again, with Tyler Miller in goal, right. For the majority of the season, we have a record breaking goal differential. And I think what, 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 what I mean, our goals allowed is what to 11 or so. I think, um, I think we, we gotta be up higher now. 
I can check on that. Even then, the goal differential is insane comparatively, you know, comparatively to the rest of, of the course. league, right? I believe it's at 33, right? That's insane, right? And so, and right. and Tyler Miller has a lot to do with that, right? Does he have his moments, you know, you know, do, are there, are, do they each have their strengths and things that they may do better? Absolutely. But it's, again, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm not, I'm not willing to say that this guy, you know, that someone should lose his job, you know, when they're, when it, again, it's not because based on things that he has not, doesn't have a whole lot of control over. And this was one of those right. games I, where if, if you, you know, if you're if trying you to make back, that case, it wasn't it. No, no. If you look back at the three goals, again, the first one from Zlatan is a world-class goal. I don't think there's a keeper that's going to save that in the world. Like the guy outside of the boot curls it right inside the post. There's, there's nothing you're going to do. The second goal I think is the one where you could criticize him, but to be honest, like you have Latif blessing with a terrible clearance from, from right back basically. Uh, and then he's the one out of sync with the defenders. He's the one that keeps him, that keeps lots on side on, on, yeah. on the back post. And you see, you see Harvey before the ball comes in, he looks over his shoulder checks Laton and you know realizes oh he's offside still um he probably should have noticed blessing i guess but he didn't and then you know the ball goes up to the back post and Laton's by himself uh and then so miller try i think he thinks about coming out and intercepting it and gets caught in no man's land and then has a slow reaction i mean i don't know if you've seen the the shot of that goal from the the camera inside the net but there's nothing you could have uh, done when it's played in slow-mo it, it does look pretty bad for miller yeah but again what are you gonna do and then the third goal again it's just a world-class goal he cuts in on his left foot and basically does what carlos vela does he puts it right where he needs to yeah and so, i mean again and i think with you know with with tyler miller i think that's one of the things that you know that i think from even from last year the complaints that i have is that he tend he does have a little bit of indecisiveness right there's there's that question of should I come out? Should I not come out? Right. That, that tends to be the one thing that I think gets him into trouble more often than not. But at the same time, I don't think it was, we've really seen that much better on the other side of things. Right. Um, considering that was the huge goal that Cisniega gave up, um, you know, a few games ago, right. Uh, he was against Vancouver to start the game where you just had, you know, get, you had Yakovic and him getting caught in no man's land and the ball, it just takes a weird hop. And the next thing you know, right. they're in on goal, right? So those right. things are going to happen, right? Again, there's all the considering the amount of money that's spent solely on attacking in Major League Soccer, there there is going to be, you know, again, there, you're going to have continuity matters a lot when it comes to defense, um, because you're not you're not going to be bringing in Virgil Van Dyke anytime soon, right? Of course, or PK I mean, well, or, I mean, it's you know. Keepers are keepers have howlers like that. There's a reason there's a term for it. It happens. Um, and, and I think it's, I think it's smart to point out the goal that, uh, Cisniega and Yakovic combined, to let go. Who, who was that? Again, yeah, that it was I, Jordy, I Reina, Jordy Reina from, um, from Vancouver where it was just like I said, okay. it was, yeah, yeah. We, the ball landed on like one yard outside of the the box. So he couldn't use his hands. Right. 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 You know, like again, those it's just again, those weird moments, but again, it was it, you know, like ha, I'm pretty sure Tyler Miller hasn't done anything like the guy from San Jose or Sean Johnson from uh, New York city, where he just kind of looks the ball into the net, you know? So right. unless, right. unless you're going to tell me something like that has happened and that's why we should make the change. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about well, that. And uh, let's, let's 
let's ratchet it up a notch. Let's look across the Atlantic to why Becker is with Liverpool. Yeah. I'm sure you're painfully aware, right? You no, have a howler in the Champions oh my League. Gosh. And that and it, it, the guy's gone. Yeah. Gone. I mean, he's somewhere in um, Turkey at the moment. You know, supposedly he may come yeah. back. But again, like again, for goalies, you're they're bound to have those moments, especially because for especially if you play for a team like LAFC, right? Or you play for a Liverpool, you play for a Barcelona, Real Madrid, there's a large portion of the game where you're not doing anything. Right. You're just right. you're sitting at your end of the thing at your end of the field, watching your team just relentlessly attack a, a bu- uh, you know, a parked bus, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. you know, it's, you're going to have moments where you switch off. It just happens to, you know, it happens like it's human nature, I think at that point. Right. And so, you know, obviously do we, do we need him to be, you know, do we need our, our both keepers to be ready and to be better? Absolutely. Right. But at the same time, like I said, I'm, 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 I can't get on that train where people are calling for his job because again, to me, he's done everything he can to keep it. Again, with, without him, we probably are already are, you know, probably hiding, running our tails in shame even more so just because of the, some of the chances that he did stop, you know? And yeah, I mean, yeah. the save on the, on the Alvarez header is just incredible. Yeah. In, it's a, it's an amazing save. You know, I think the one thing is like what what Tyler Miller is, is a shot stopper. That is his specialty, mm-hmm. right? What he tends to do, you know, what Sistinga probably is a little bit better at is playing the ball from the back and, you know, doing those types of things. But again, it, yeah, his distribution is really clutch. Mm-hmm. And so, again, those are those some of those things where you're going to consider and we'll see what happens, you know, heading into the rest of the season. And, you know, maybe it's a factor of who they Bob rides the hot hand, but. You know, again, based on what I've seen so far and those different things, you know, I don't think that I'm not I'm not one to, you know, to make the, that call like some of the other some of the people have been. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope we have brought everybody back to center, back to some uh, semblance of peace after all this. Um, let's go ahead and take just a let's pause for a second. And when we come back, let's talk about uh maybe hit up the Atlantic match just a little bit and talk about a few other things going on around MLS. And uh, then we'll close up shop for the day. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, we are back. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Atlanta and some of the MLS storylines here. Uh, Josh, what are you thinking about with this Atlanta match coming up on Friday? I think if you had re- if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have been you know very confident because Atlanta has been a little bit of a mess over the over this beginning of the season, especially coming off of you know again at the beginning of the season you're saying okay this is the game that you circle and say okay we're we got to be ready for this one. As the season progresses, you're like oh maybe they're not as good as we thought. You know, Tata Martino leaving and being replaced by Frank DeBoer has seemed to make a pretty big change. And I'm still not quite sure they've completely righted the ship, but they have looked better as of late, right? And they still do feature some of the best players in the league right here. So we got Joseph Martinez right. coming into town, the current, you know, you know, the current record holder who Vela's been chasing, you know, or is chasing this season in terms of goals goal scored in the season. Um, and then also PT Martinez, who is, you know, the former uh, South American player of the year. Um, and so those are, those are big names coming into town. They are talented. 
you know, but again, they still have yet to be able to adjust to the way that Frank DeBoer wants them to play comparatively to a little bit more of the, you know, free flowing breakneck speed of um, Tata Martino or, or even a Bob Bradley. I think it was Joseph Martinez in an interview earlier this week says, you know, he, he just wants to sit back with a whiskey and a cigar and watch the way the LAFC plays. You know, it makes him cry right, because right, he right. just enjoys watching it so much, right? Which is a compliment mm-hmm. in itself. Um, you know, and I, PT probably feels the same way again since he's been, you know, can butting heads with the boar so far. The boar is a little bit more methodical. Um, you know, kind of a straight up four two three one or you know their three five one two ish. Um, kind of right. formation. They kind of been going back and forth between the two. Now that Breck Shea is out for the year, there may be a little bit of a uh, of some changes there um, going forward because I don't think they have at this point. I'm not sure they have a natural left back replacement um, that's ready to go at this point. I think they've been looking in in the transfer market at, as far as I know um, mm. to replace that that spot. But again, is Bello it, not around? Did Bello get injured? Did he's I miss been around, but for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to crack the lineup. You know, and, and he was a I mean, guy that's pretty young. So. Yeah, I, I mean, but he's a guy that I think a lot of people were high on, and you know, a guy that I think the U.S. national team, given our our lack of depth at left back, it probably needs to look at. You know, at some point, no, if I, he's think, able I think to, that's the, I think that's why people are high on him because they're they're saying this could be it. This could finally be the guy. Which I think is uh, pretty overblown, but I don't know. We'll yeah, see. I mean, I mean, to me, that's that guy's probably Sergino Dest, right over at Ajax. He, you know, it looks, seems like yeah, he's actually going to be playing for a lot Ajax. of minutes there, at least in the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not that's that's what Berhalter is looking for is a whole nother story. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that as as time goes on and in for. future pods where we go off the rails talking about how much we're annoyed with Greg Berhalter. But beyond that, um, back to Atlanta. Quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit, Josh. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> back to Atlanta. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're always going to be a d- dangerous team based on the guys that they have. I Ezekiel Barco is out, right? And he had been playing really well for them um, mm-hmm. off that left hand side this year, but he's, I believe, he's hurt, and so you're really, you know, the the main guys that you're gonna you're gonna see and you're gonna have to focus on are are going to be PT and and Joseph, as you know, as as you would expect. And so again, whether or not they're again they're they're a little bit more methodical than in years past. You know, it's it's probably closer to that um, that Berhalter style of of build up versus the Bob Bradley style of build up. In term, you know, again, it's more methodical. It's more algorithmic. It's it's x x a plus b equals c type of type of approach to football. And again, right. I think that's why there's been a little bit of a clash of personalities when it comes to some of the South American guys who want to play that free flowing football and are used to playing that, you know, right. kind of flowing style. And so, you know, again, you, we'll see what happens, but again, at the same time, it, it's also not a game that you're going to say we're, we're going to win this one easily, um, you know, by any means. No, I mean, they clearly have a lot of talent, so it's going to be a challenge regardless of how they play. I think, if DeBoer loosens the reins a little bit and says, Hey, these, you know, they got beat by Portland because they were counterattacking. They got beat by the galaxy because they were counterattacking and playing direct. Uh, and you start seeing some long balls go to uh, Martinez over the top that he's able to run underneath and, and get in on the keeper with. And then I think you see some problems occur, but I think if DeBoer comes in here trying to slow things down and play possession I think the counter press at the bank is going to be just too much. And I think you see 
LAFC run away with it. Yeah. And so, and I think that's honestly, it could go either way, I guess. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, right? I think the one thing that, you know, you, you, we should start to, you know, I think we've come to expect from a lot of teams in MLS is that everyone loves to, you know, just bunker and counterattack, right? It's about 80% of the league just plays like that, which is unfortunate. It reminds me. Good old CONCACAF. Yeah. I mean, it's CONCACAF or it's old school English football. Right, because you used right. to see that in the Premier League all the time, where it was just—I mean, you actually still do, right? It's pretty much everyone outside of the top six, maybe seven, yeah. with with wolf, you know, with Wolves playing the way that they are now, just loves to just sit back, defend, and then try and play balls over the top and counterattack. I mean, right? to be fair, I think I think some of it comes out of necessity, for sure. Um, right, and again, if where you, you, are, you just have teams that don't have the same amount of talent, yeah, but then but then you have teams like Portland who have you know, who probably have the appropriate amount of talent and can do it with conviction. And that's where you start right. to get hurt, right? Or with Zlatan, who can actually hurt you um, on that, you know, on that long ball, you know, with, you know, and, and just out muscle you and out counter you. Right. And so, yeah, again, I don't, I don't, I, Joseph's still never really been that guy. Right. So if you're going to say, okay, we were worried about Segura getting out muscled and out physical. Joseph's not that guy, right? Joseph's what? Five foot right. seven. If that, Right. And so, you know, he's, you know, he's not big. Yeah. And he's a guy that he's at his best when someone is setting him up because he had Almiron at full speed, you know, at a hundred miles an hour setting, you know, there's a reason why he got sold for $30 million to the, you know, at the Newcastle is because at full speed, yeah. he can make decisions that allow, you know, that can create for his team. Right. Or he can be that guy at, you know, at break, at a breakneck pace can make those things happen. And so, Again, and that's what killed us last year when we went to whatever then played them. It was just Almiron and Joseph on the break, just making, you know, making moves um, that we couldn't keep up with. This year, again, PT is not that guy either, right? PT is definitely not Almiron. He's a guy who's a little bit more, you know, he's your, your Mesut Ozil classic number 10 who likes to get the ball at his feet and do things with it and whatnot, which again, I think that's probably why you've seen a clash of styles and a clash of, of, you know, why Joseph, you know, again, again, he's crept up the scoring charts, but is definitely not nearly as prolific as he was last year, you know, no, getting no. used. To I don't think he's had as many penalty opportunities either. No, granted the penalty opportunity. Did you see the one this week? Yeah, no, it was... <laughs> where he does his ridiculous little run up and jump and just send it straight over the bar. Yeah. That I felt mean, like sweet but, justice but, to me, but Hamid played it perfectly. You just don't move. Right. He's trying yeah. to get his goal with the run up is to try and get you, to make a decision. Bella does it a little bit too, right? Where he kind of does that little hezzy at the very end. You definitely see, he definitely hesitated. I feel more with this, this one against the galaxy this week than he, than I've seen him in the past. Yeah. Where he, he, you know, he wants to send you one way and go from there. Joseph's is just a little bit more, uh, outlandish to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep it moving here. Let's go around MLS a little bit more. There's a couple of rumors out there that I wanted to pick your brain on. Aaron Long is apparently getting looks from uh, clubs in England. I think, was it Aston Villa? Yeah, I believe so. Or West Ham? Yeah. One of the one of those two. I can't remember exactly which one. Maybe in West Ham. Apparently put in an offer. Uh, Red Bulls denied it. What do you think he's worth? It, there were reports that it was $3 million and, that they did, and Red Bull said no. I mean, he's probably, you know, given the showing that he put in at the Gold Cup, Right. And how far along he's come, he's probably I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure New York probably won't sell him for any less than six. 
right? I don't, and I don't know if I would take any less than six, especially for what he means to the team. You know, obviously, if it becomes an issue of now you're risking, you know, like the continuity, you know, is he going to be a problem in the locker room? Because this was always his dream. That's a problem, right? And, right. you know, well, and he referred to it that way. He said that would be the dream. Yeah. And I think that that is, um, that's what look at look at DC United with Lucho Acosta, right? He didn't get that move to PSG, and he's kind of mm-hmm. been, kind of like I said, he's been bogging them down to a certain degree, right? He doesn't play, you know, he's been way in, pretty inconsistent, all those different things, because he just hasn't been that guy. Um, again, and I, I'm pretty sure I'd be pretty pretty disappointed if I didn't get to move to one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, West Ham isn't, you know, West Ham is a big, you know, they're, you know, they're big team and they bring in a lot of guys maybe not world you know like they're not the real madrid's or the manchester united's of the world but at the same time you know they're they're a team that you know that is constantly mid-table and you know and has will has been willing to spend money and so again if it's your dream to go there that's i think that's where red bull have to be careful right it's again is it going to is he going to become a problem in the locker room if you don't let him go for a reasonable fee Right or what people would consider. Yeah, and I th- I think right now you see this sort of impasse where he's honestly worth more to Red Bull than he is to any club in the Premier League. Again, you mentioned his Gold Cup performance where he's really good individu- individually. He's really pacey. He's able to you know he's able to. He, sometimes he looks like a like a left back out there when he's playing mm-hmm. on the left side because he's so quick. Um, so I guess there is. A re- I, I honestly don't see any other. Yeah. So so what I'm reading is that. that- they offered about three million for him, but he does have a five million dollar release clause, right? So if there, there oh, so I'm okay. assuming that's probably where where Red Bull want to start dealing is somewhere around that five, and whether or not a team right, is going to want right. to pay any more than three at this point for him, I don't know. Um, you know, but at the same time, yeah, yeah I, I, don't think I so. you know, again, and that's probably now where I land is, you know, if I'm Red Bull, I don't let him go for any less than that because of what he does mean to the team. But, you know, unless he get, he becomes a problem right, in the locker right. room. But, you know, we, there's there's been no reports to say that he's that he's become that by any means. Yeah. All right. What about Paxton Pomichol? There's there's rumors about him. I think one of their one of their coaches, somebody on their staff was saying that they don't want to sell him for another two or three years. Where do you think he might fit in or what would you so like to from see? An, from a national team perspective, I want to see him go as soon as possible to Europe. Right. Um because Absolutely. I think I honestly think if you look at this way that the team is developing and some of the guys that could be there, he is a guy that I can easily. I think he's the guy that allows Christian Pulisic to play his best position, which is on the wing, right? Get him out of that that free eight role, right? That you know, kind of the Latif blessing role, basically, is what Christian has been playing um, this in the Gold Cup. Um, He's a guy that has the talent and the, and the quality to play in that eight position and has done it well at the professional level at the age of 19, right? And so the question that just that I, what I want for him though is to go to a club where he's actually going to get run, right? So it's like, do you go, to, does it make sense to go to Europe like Emerson Heidman, right? And go to a Bournemouth and never play, right? Or, or I think mm-hmm. he was at, um, Fulham before that, right? It's like actually he played at Fulham and then went to Bournemouth and didn't play, right? So is it is it better for your career to not play or to continue to be a, a, a you know the first name on you know the first name on the team sheet here at FC Dallas, right? Right, where you are the hub of the you know the hub of the team, and so if the right opportunity is there, then obviously you want him to go because I think 
that's where he's going to, you know, will hopefully continue to make the most progression in terms of his career. But at the same time, if, if it's at, if it's just for the sake of going, then that's where you have to kind of draw the line. Because again, I don't necessarily think that's actually good for him versus going and actually with the opportunity to play, then yes, right. Then you want him to go and take that opportunity, whether that's in the Bundesliga, I would actually like to see more U S national team guys go to, you know, take the, um, where the Mexican players are going and head over to the air because man, if you can, some of the guys that are coming into Ajax and, you know, and some of those places, you know, like the Dutch league is, has been great for developing players. Right. So, right. And I think it's not, it's not such a major step up um, where guys can go and they can get minutes right away. And then they just have, they have more, eyeballs on them from the yeah other i mean it's probably so it, i mean again, more so it's an you know, if the bundesliga step. is the is the next step up for for a lot of these younger mls players which it seems to be right whether it's weston mckinney or pulisic or you know all the guys that left and uh, was it soto's over there from our left from rsl all the guys that left the galaxy academy all went to bundesliga right if the middle the the air division is probably somewhere in between but to me the transition would seem would seem to be way easier for for a young guy, because the main language spoken in, in the Netherlands, I believe is still English, right? At least throughout most of the, in most of the bigger cities, right? And the majority of people still supposed right. to be English versus, you know, I remember re watching a little documentary thing on Pulisic, you know, basic, you know, trying to learn yeah, German, and it, right? And, and it's like, he couldn't, didn't know if he was in math class or if he was in English, you know, or math or you know, math or science, because it just not, it didn't make sense. Right. So, you right, know, which right. is why I think you see a lot of South American players actually coming to coming to MLS first, right? Because it gives you an opportunity to learn how to speak English, right? In a league that's sl- maybe slightly mm-hmm. above the Colombian league or, you know, or the, you know, some of the smaller South American leagues, cut your teeth, learning, get your, uh, you know, allow your English to improve. And then from there, make that next step on to Europe, you know, and then and hopefully further your career from there. Because again, I think, there is a sense that some of the language barriers do hold some guys back depending on where you end up. Right. Like if you're a South American guy, do you really want to end up in the middle in, you know, in, in Dortmund, right. It's a little bit of a, it, right, it's a hard, right. it may be a hard transition versus, you know, well, especially when you have La Liga for right sure. there or, or France, you know, but then again, if, if, La, you know, are, do you have that opportunity to go to La Liga and succeed right away? Right. Sometimes no. Right. And so there's, Again, I think there's there's those steps. You know, again, I think for some of these younger national team guys like Pomical, you hope that they 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 make the steps necessary to you know continue to develop themselves because I think he, you know again, he's a guy that can feature long term for the national team. I do agree. All right, well, I think that just about will wrap it up for us. Uh, Josh, tell the lovely people out there where they can find you. And I should, I believe where they can listen to you, you should be on with Dolly Black and Gold real soon, right? Yeah, so we should be coming up with another scouting report for Dolly Black and Gold. I think we're recording tomorrow right before the game. And then um, on Twitter, LAFC Josh is where I do the most, the majority of my work um, in terms of just going back and forth with people. It's where I met Kirk, um, kind of just spitballing ideas and throwing things out there. Um, and then also on Angels on Parade. I do the um, injury analysis and things like that, but hopefully I don't have to do any more work for that because I don't want anyone else to get hurt. It's always nice when I don't have to write I do agree them, with that. You know, so. And then how about yourself? All right, and again, I am Kirk Kinsey. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey on Twitter. Uh, I'm just on there 
tweeting out streams of consciousness during the matches. Uh, probably won't be active on Twitter during this match because, again, we'll be I'll be there with my kids. So, again, if you see me, not that you would recognize me, but if you see a dude walking around with three little boys all decked out, uh, come up and say, hey. You can also email the show at thecounterpressshow at gmail.com. Uh, and also, we'd love to have you subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And we will see you all next time. Josh, thanks for coming on, dude. Thank you. Have a good one.